Welcome to another great story with your host, Nick Sandino, brought to you by The Village Christian Church. Do you know any great stories? We sure do. And we can never find enough time on a Sunday morning to tell them all. Here at Another Great Story, we tell the truth about where life change, life growth, and life purpose meets our everyday life with the hope that you might experience God in your story. Welcome back to another great story. Joining me today is one of my favorite storytellers I've ever met. Her name's Leslie Butcher. She's the communication professor in Houston, Texas at San Jacinto College. You're not going to want to miss her story today. It's really the story of, of how God meets our needs in, in his kindness, in his love, um, where he interacts in our everyday, ordinary life. Leslie, welcome from Houston, Texas. This is the first time we've recorded with somebody joining us by phone, so this is kind of fun to me. Yeah, I love being a guinea pig. This is so exciting. Thanks for having me. I don't know why I'm so impressed when technology works, but you're just connected through my phone into our <laughs> into our podcast recorder here via Bluetooth, and every time it works, um, I'm just like entertained by it. I just think, wow, this is amazing. That you know how it, it all is. worked out. So yeah. to set it up a little bit, I, I've I had the chance to meet you. I don't remember how long ago. It's been a, just a couple of years ago um, when you came and helped us with Menthano, which is a teaching equipping tool that we use for, for anybody who um, uh, teaches or preaches from one of our stages. Uh, and, and you were, um, I don't, I don't want to, like, I don't know how to even express it. You were like shocking on all, every time that you come here, you shock me with what you open my eyes to. <laughs> on good communication. You are like just my favorite communication teaching person I've ever interacted with. Well, I, I think I get the, the privilege of sitting in this space where I'm constantly researching. I've studied communication now for 25 years. So it's hard to even say that out loud, but I look at sort of how we're wired to communicate biblically. And I think we, I've studied Jesus, who is the best communicator, who told stories the best because he knew that that's what would unlock people's hearts and, and help them receive. And then I get to do it in real life in different spaces. And so I always say it's sort of this weird Venn diagram where um, my sort of career in education meets biblical truth and then my experience. And it's really fun to just live in this space. I found, I found my lane of what I love and what I know. And I just stay in my lane. <laughs> oh, I love and that I, language of, of finding your lane. Like it's, it's so what God has created you for and what, and when you're in it, it just sometimes feels not like it's not work, but it is effortless at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes. And you let go of, you won't find me in a Pinterest lane. I can't craft. I, I love people with <laughs> you. I think they're great. Not a great cook. Uh, I have a few obsessions, and mostly communication and college sports. But <laughs> oh yeah, outside of that, I and coffee. Every, everything else is sort to see. But I I do love, and I love people feeling free to stay in their lane and do what they're called to do, and just do it really well. I remember in college, somebody asked that. Like, uh, it was probably in a in a you know 
religious class preparing you for ministry at Olivet, and they asked me something along the lines of like, what, what's one of the spiritual gifts or what's God created you for? And I remember um, audibly saying out loud, and I thought they were going to expel me immediately. I was like, I think I talk good. And, uh, <laughs> and they were like, oh, do you want to read that back to yourself and, and maybe run it through English class? And um, I'm like, no, I really feel like God, that's what one of the things God designed me for, like is to, is to talk. And they're like, okay. Um, you know, but it's really, it's one of those things. And, and it's from your influence on us, um, that you were more of a catalyst for another great story, this podcast, than you realize, because what we found was that so many people are really, really passionate about telling great stories or they have great stories where God interacted with their everyday ordinary life, but they don't have a platform to share it or they share it with us. They're, they're, their people and ministry around them. Um, and they're too good of stories to keep, uh, you know, hidden or keep quiet. Uh, and so we get to celebrate those things. And so, um, you're just one of my favorite storytellers ever. Um, and we were just talking off air about this and, um, on, on where God's really shown up and just provided and that, you know, man, if I, I couldn't agree with you more, I wish I would have kept a journal of all the super, well, really yeah. supernatural things God has done uh, in our lives that that are just precious. They're kind ways of providing, um, you know, that, that make for really great God stories. Yeah. Well, and I, we, I always come back to that scripture in Revelation that says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And one of the things that I think we forget in the storytelling process is not just how much stories do for us when we hear them. Because they do inspire us to give us hope. They remind us of ourselves, right? And C.S. Lewis said, we read to know we're not alone. So it is a, it's a connecting tool. But the reality is when we tell our story, it does something for us. And it gets us to a new place. And coming out of COVID, I did lots of research in something called post-traumatic growth. And people being able to tell stories of resilience is almost a chemical catalyst for their brains, not to get too nerdy, but to be able to get out of a funk or depression. And there's a, there is a, a podcast called the Huberman Lab, Lab that talks about something called pro-social behaviors, but it is, um, they do a gratitude practice. And, and that actually just means telling other people um, and verbalizing good things that have happened to you, being grateful, not just journaling. I'm glad I have a car. I'm glad I have a house. I'm glad, but telling other people. And I think when we tell stories, we glorify God and saying, look, I'm so grateful for what he did. And in the last 20 years, neuroscience research says, gosh, that is the thing that increases those happy chemicals in our brain the most. And I think that is just a testament to we're fearfully, wonderfully made. And God was all part of this from the beginning. I love that. That uh, I'm doing some homework for a message I'm preaching this weekend. The podcast will come out after the sermons come out, so I'm not like letting the cat out of the bag. But the number two, th- uh, the two top things that people pray for on multiple studies um, are things that they're immediate, they're immediately grateful for. Like it's an immediate gratification. Uh-huh. So like their their prayers, like God, thanks for today. Thanks for like that I'm alive. Thanks that I'm awake. Thanks for you know X, Y, and Z that are all happening right now, this minute. Right. And then the second yeah. thing is equally as urgent. It's their, it's their like pressing need. Like God, um, like right now, somebody's sick. God, right now, I need you to do this right now, financial yeah. right now. And it's, it's, a uh, it's really short sighted. And I think one of the things that, that 
persevering stories as you or or God's provision stories, one of the common threads you see um, more often than not are God's timeline is painfully longer and always correct compared to what our timeline is. And, and we <laughs> miss this. We miss this like God's doing something out on the horizon. And if we could pray looking out on the horizon, if we could pray from the 30,000 foot overview, we would pray with a different perspective. We would approach God with a different trust or a different level of faith. Uh, but sometimes it takes somebody celebrating, um, you know, their resilience in, yeah. the, in their patience in, in order to like believe that, that they're, that they can hold fast to. Yeah. So, well, we, we are kind of a generation of our idea of waiting is the five seconds so we can hit skip ad on a YouTube video or, oh or our goodness. 30 seconds of the microwave. I mean, that is like we're waiting, right? And that's it. And we, we haven't developed uh, a muscle for that unless we really trust the process and have spent some time in the process. And I just, I got to fall in love with Jesus when I was four. So I'm 38 years into having the privilege of knowing that when Jesus is all you have, he'll be all you need. And that's been such a gift to get to experience for such a long time. But something that even as I raise kids and talk to new believers, gosh, if you can trust him and trust his process, it never fails. So say that sentence one more time. When Jesus is all you have, then he'll be all you need. And I stole that from a pastor, so let me be very clear. I didn't come up with that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, there's there's nothing new under the sun. I, I feel like everything I, right. I <laughs> preach or say is is stolen from somebody, and I just couldn't give them all the credit due. Uh, yeah. But tell us a story. So one of the things you were telling me uh, earlier was um, you grew up a softball player, and, and which uh, I love because my wife was a diehard softball player. Um, and we still, like, we'll be heading out to uh, University of Illinois' alumni game um, oh my gosh! Here in, in another, oh, it must be another month, maybe month and a half, and it's just a special day where my girls think their mom is an art teacher, um, who, you know, makes them toast and cereal in the morning and and helps yeah. them with homework, and they don't realize that when she gets to Champagne, um, she's a a very accomplished athlete. And I think that's, that's probably your story too. Like I heard you talk on stage multiple times. I never thought this girl was a, had a great arm, (laughs) you know, back in her glory day, like was a great softball player. Well, I jumped from my, my professor sweater cardigans to sweatpants uh, pretty fluidly, but I, I do, (laughs) I, I was, I'll be in a basketball tournament today and, Somebody looked at me and said, you can shoot. And I said, listen, I'm telling you right now, I grew up on the, I grew up in Southern Illinois, but on the border of Indian Illinois. So it's basically Hoosiers for people that don't know anything yeah. about yep. the area. And so we played catch and we shot baskets and we didn't have much. So that was it. And I had four brothers and it was inevitable with parents who loved sports and played sports that we were going to do something in that space. But we we grew up in a, we rented a little tiny house from my grandma and there were seven of us total. I had four brothers and my parents both went to college and did that thing and then just really struggled to find work. And so we grew up financially struggling, but we all really loved sports. I fell in love with softball when I was nine and really honed in on, I was going to be a pitcher and early on, 
right? You, I, it's funny to watch as adults now to see like you're looking for signs of promise or talent, and you can kind of see the kids that have a different stance or a different posture. And I, I got pretty good, and by 10, 11, I'm making all star teams, but I just felt like I wanted to be really great. And I was hitting kind of a wall. I could play catch with my brothers, but I, I knew I needed to get to the next level, whatever that looked like. And lots of girls would go to camp and they would take lessons and we just didn't have the means to do that. Um, I mentioned when I was four, I literally like just came to know Jesus, trusted him, was baptized when I was seven or eight, promised him every part of my life I would surrender. And softball was no exception. And so I vacillated. I went back and forth between hustling and trusting. So well, and that's, in the hustle of like that's where your story is different than a lot of folks, I think, is because it, there's there's always like I'm completely surrendered to Jesus as long as He never asks for, you know, fill in the <laughs> blank. Like, and and I I shared that with you. Like, as long as it wasn't like I didn't know how to follow Jesus and be a football player. I didn't know how to follow Jesus and be a farmer. Um, I didn't know how to follow Jesus and and anything that was outside of ministry. It's been a stripping away. And you had a different perspective on that. You wanted to be a softball player who glorified God with it. And that's just not, yeah. that's not even the perspective of a lot of us as parents who are, are letting our kids chase these dreams. We're not thinking how can our kid yeah. be a successful athlete and, and bring God glory or reflect back on him well, or, or be a light in a dark place. We just don't think that way all the time. Yeah. And I, I, I have a neighbor who uh, isn't really maybe has attended church on and off her whole life and her, our sons were best friends. We lived three houses apart. And a couple years ago, she came to me in tears and said, my son is this great gymnast and they want him to start training 25 hours a week. And I was overjoyed, like, oh my gosh, I can't get my kids to do anything <laughs> athletic. They want to play violin and be in theater. And I want one of them to do something I can yell at. And so I, she said, I'm having all these fears of, this is a terrible idea. And she had never been an athlete and I had been an athlete for 11, 12 years of my life. So I said, we sat and I said, here's the deal. My kids don't want to play sports right now for whatever reason. And I'm not going to push them to do that. But if your kid wants to do that, here's what, here's what you have to do. I said, you just pray because the only person that knows if your kid's going to snap his neck flying off a high bar five years from now is Jesus. And so you just ask him for peace. And then if that's what your son wants to do, it'll be okay. And so today he's at Regions uh, to qualify for national. He's a level 10 gymnast looking at uh, maybe going to University of Illinois gymnastics camp. He went to Stanford oh camp goodness. last year. And we still talk about that moment of, listen, at, at every, like I just asked Jesus first. So I think even with softball, my brothers were all playing we played this little town robinson illinois which is the home of the great myers um but we we all played there and it was convenient and it was affordable and yeah i, I started making all sorts of 10 11 but i i do remember wishing like i was the girl that there was part in my heart that was like i would love to have my own helmet i would love to have my own that bag and i'm going to tell you right now it may not seem big miracle but somebody listening knows this is true i never got light sharing helmets with all those girls in 11 years oh man and that is supernatural uh, but i but i was probably 12 when my my dad just 
also had kind of planted a church in Southern Illinois and everything we did, we prayed about. And he had, he had a dream and this is just a crazy story, but he had a dream that he met a man. And one day in a Louisville, Kentucky airport, he runs into this man from his dream. So he feels compelled to introduce him and said, I hope this is. Yeah. So if people missed that, your dad had a dream about a guy and then he met the guy that he had never met met before. Stranger. Right. (laughs) I had no idea. And this guy from Vancouver, Canada, I don't even know where, I didn't even know where that was when I was 11 or 12 and was a businessman and was doing some, ended up doing some business in Indianapolis. And this man kind of lived on mission wherever God called him. He would share Jesus with people. He would end up um, introducing them to, uh, to him. And so they just, my dad wanted to spend time with him because it fueled his faith and encouraged him. He he would bring this man along and they would share the gospel with my, with an older third cousin who was in jail at the time. And then he would get saved. And it was just a really, really cool experience. And he ended up going to speak at my uncle's church in Indianapolis. And then sort of, we just had these relationships. And so we would go visit Indianapolis. It was a couple hours away and we end up at a wedding. And my dad wants us all to meet this man. His name was Bob Palm. And I'm in seventh grade at the time and, and we're in full on sports mode. All my brothers are playing baseball. I'm playing softball. And, and you do the thing where you meet these awkward adults and they say, Oh, what do you like to do for fun? And I say, well, I really love playing softball. And this man, Bob says, Oh, that's interesting. I also played softball and he's kind of a burly guy, gray hair. And I was like, Oh, you did that. You know, I, I don't know what I'm picturing. And, and my dad said, yeah, she's a pretty good little pitcher. And he said, you know what, um, our team just won the North American Men's Fast Pitch Championship oh last word. year. He was a, I was a starting pitcher. And and I just had a moment to sort of process, like, oh, like all of Canada and all of America. And he looked at me, and I'm, I'm in, this is like 1992, I'm in this awkward dress and little heels. And he said, would you like to learn how to throw a rising fastball? And I... I mean, I was, wasn't going to say no. And, and he asked if I had gloves. I said, we don't leave home without him. So we walked to this parking lot at a wedding in dress clothes. He took his suit jacket off and I handed him a glove. We're standing by a dumpster just so we don't hit a car. That was sort of our backdrop. <laughs> and he taught me, showed me where to, to put my hands on the scenes and, and taught me how to throw a rising fastball. And I'll tell you what, I struck over 500 um, players out in high school and for 25 years held the strikeout record and and people today would still say like nobody could touch that rising fastball oh, um, it word. carried me through uh, I ended up playing at a, a school ball in eighth grade we went to the elite eight um, I had an ERA of maybe 1.4 for varsity and I played all four years so just incredible but I I do rem- I remember in that process of how real in my everyday things that Jesus was that I, he cared that I love softball. And again, when he's all you have, he'll meet all your needs. I, we would memorize the scripture in Philippians that says, you know, Paul says, uh, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I think when you hear the term riches, I just always thought, Ed McMahon was going to show up at our door with a check. Yeah, <laughs> we with, with Jesus rich, as the like, sign rich, on it. Rich. I know what you mean by that. Yeah, and, and we were well, we were going to win the lottery, and we didn't play the lottery, so that was that didn't work out. But I do I walked 
can, as a young girl in middle school, just show up to help me. And it was supernatural to me. And people would say, like, where did you learn that picture? And I would say, you're not going to believe this story. But my dad had a dream that he met a guy. And it, people would go, that doesn't make sense. Right. And I, re- I remember thinking, yeah, well, that I, when you surrender your life to Jesus, right, he's going to lead you to places that aren't anybody else's journey, aren't anybody else's story. And it's going to make space for him to do and for us to expect um, something great and different. And uh, I did love it. And I, I loved it so much that I, it wasn't that I struggled giving it up. I, I got to play my freshman year of college, a little school um, outside Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, but I just, that was such a hard year. And God called me to transfer out through some just really rough, rough moments um people often do say like gosh i'll give up anything except this or you know god i want you to be oh, part yeah. of my life <clears throat> but my freshman year of college i was playing softball i was playing on an academic scholarship trying to pursue this degree in broadcast journalism to be a famous sports broadcaster and the lord was just kind of shutting that door and it was hard it felt uphill both ways and towards the end of my freshman year, one of my really close friends died in, in a car accident on my 19th birthday. And just something I didn't see coming, someone I was really close to. And it sort of, uh, it just spun me. I uh, say like emotionally t- took the wind out of me a little bit. And I just had been it my whole life trusting Jesus. That uh, I had friends that would say like, aren't you questioning God? Aren't you? And I would just, I'd lay in my dorm room read Psalm uh, 74 that says, who am I, who have I in heaven, but you, there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. My heart, my flesh may fail, but you're the strength of my heart forever. And I would just say it over and over until I could go to class. And then, and so in that time, I got to experience the sweetness of being close to Jesus and letting go of a dream of being a broadcast journalism major, transferring to a school where I'd, I'd get an organizational communication degree that God would open doors for me to do just some really neat things. And I, I went to an intro to management class that fall and had this incredible professor who was super boring and uninteresting, <laughs> but very <laughs> successful. And he just, he looked at all of us and he said, here's what I want you to do. And honestly, to this day, if I could sit with any 19 year old on the planet, I would do the very same thing. And he said, I want you to ask God for a picture of what he wants to do with your life. And I, and so I did, I I prayed, I walked, I asked, and I have not had a lot of visions in my life. Uh, I could count on one hand, but he gave me a vision of this, of people standing on a cliff and they wanted to get to another cliff. And I was putting pieces in place, building a bridge to help them get from where they wanted to go, um, from where they were to where they wanted to go. And and he said, now make your 5, 10, 15 year plans, but unless it aligns with the picture of who you think God's called you to be, then you say no. Oh, and I, 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 I didn't have a relationship. I couldn't even tell you that professor's name today. It was so profound that I internalized that the rest of my life, I would spend being a bridge builder. And to be honest, I think we're all called to some extent to be bridge builders. I don't think it's unique, but I thought I'm going to connect people to Jesus. And I want to connect them to, to their purpose. And I, yeah, sometimes, 
sometimes it okay. sounds like the call is is to make part of the bridge, and it seems like um, like uh, I think there's a misunderstanding sometimes. Like there's an expectation we have to build the entire bridge. Like we have to yeah we have to bring people start to finish to Jesus. And and I, I think a lot of times the plan God has for us is to be part of somebody's story. Um, ultimately, so that he receives all the credit for it as it should be, you know, but there were so many things that, that stood out to me, um, when you were telling that story and, and then it gave way to it. We're going to get you to tell, you know, more of these stories someday on here, because I just, I sit and I want you to talk for hours (laughs) and just, uh, segue story to story on these. And I've gotten the privilege to hear a few, but one of the, a couple of the things that really popped out to me is, um, and I, I want to be careful with my words here, but everything uh, that competes for my attention that isn't isn't God or isn't for Him or of Him um, is competing to be an idol for my heart. It competes for my attention, yeah. and so yeah. for so many, like now that I sit in ministry, like I my heart. What's Timothy Keller say? Like the heart's an idol factory, and through high yes. school, anything that gave me validation, anything that gave me. Um, credibility, not just high school, but through college into early adulthood, that thing was competing to be an idol of my heart. And so in ministry, when I look at, at the young parent, I'm, I'm 37, four girls, and, uh, and we're coming into that age. We're doing the same thing, <laughs> Leslie. We're telling our daughters, you can't go to that camp. We're, we can't justify, yeah. you know, six Sundays in a row. We can't justify 1200 bucks. We can't just, you know, there's four yeah. of you and, and I'm watching their face try to understand like, but there's this thing that brings me joy and why can't we do it? And why can't, you know, it's the, um, like new year's Eve. We had, we had filet and lobster tails and Bennett goes, why don't we eat this every day? And I was like, well, <laughs> we can't, I get it, you know, but nobody uh, can live this way. And yeah. um, <laughs> so the heart's an idol factory. The flip side is, um, from ministry is I teach and warn people of this idol factory heart and don't let your heart be misled. And, and, and I really do believe there's a, a temptation in any avenue of success to be an idol, uh, whether it's sports, whether it's uh, academia, w- w- whether it's uh, at a job or at a, um, any sort of conquest, like it, it can compete for your heart. Um, yeah. But there's this flip side to your story. That's a kindness of God that wants like a good father like we look at our kids and go, man, I, I know something better for you. You just got to trust me in it. Like we have this yeah. kindness of God who looks into our story um, or looks at our circumstance and goes, I'm going to give you something that, that money can't buy. And it's a middle-aged man who throws from what seems to be 15 feet away from the plate, a hundred mile an hour, <laughs> you know, at yeah. that time, white softball that nobody can see at the dim of night, you know, um, yeah, that's going to cut a man off at the knees or come up at his hands. And I'm going to teach it to you. Uh, what'd you say? A 14, 13 year old girl or a 12 year old yeah. girl. And, and you're just going to dominate, um, through high school. And it's all from this kindness of God saying you're mine and I love you. Um, and I have something for you and it won't compete with me. It, it'll, it'll be a story you tell someday. Um, yeah. And it, there's such a shift and such a kindness of God. And that would be my heart for people to understand is this providing God who has such a, a loving heart um, that he's not trying to paint us into a corner or put us into a box, but to, um, I really wrestle with the word freedom, like what freedom in Christ really means uh, and what he yeah. gives us inside of that. And so there's just and, so much and there. We, yeah. And I, I think, 
what it's true we wrestle our whole life sort of to be seen and so I I wish I could say that I have a handle on it even now but there are moments where in our work we get acknowledged for things or awards or badges or honors and I have to remind myself like when I'm hustling right there's a difference between hustling to be seen right um and and just working because it's the right thing to do and when I start to feel frustrated or bitter uh, or feel like I need to push harder and make something happen often it's because I've I've let go the fact that God sees me and he's enough and I'm trying to be seen or be known in some way. And, and I think that was sort of just through my whole life of this process of like, you know, wanting to be valedictorian or wanting to break records in software, wanting to do all these things. And then realizing when I partner with him and surrender to him and trust that he sees me and it doesn't matter if anybody else does, because he can open doors, nobody could open and he can make things happen that I am not capable of. Like, of Ephesians 3.20, I love that says he's able to do above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. And so the moments that I, I just put my head down and worked hard and quit trying to do it a hundred percent on my own or carrying yeah. the emotional weight of this is all on me. The only way I get to the next level is if I work hard and then, then one, I want the glory and two, I'm bitter if it doesn't work out. <laughs> like it's a lose, lose. But when I've trusted him and just surrendered my heart and said, I trust your process. And I, I love I'm that so much. Thing. Something that the listener might not know about you, Leslie, is that we didn't plan this. Uh, both of us kind of, I, I think I observe both of us both operate like quickly. And sometimes um, the world <laughs> might say by the seat of our pants. And like, I like that. That's like fun conversation. Um, but yes. what the reason I say that is uh, because I didn't prep you and say like, Hey, and find like a half dozen scriptures that you've written on your heart and, <laughs> and be able to quote them verbatim. One of the things that, that one of the greatest obstacles, like I think of for, I've written your word on my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, in scripture oh. is like, I want, we want people like it's a podcast. It's a church for um, non-believers or early in belief or first generation believers. And, and that's not limited to that. Um, or people who have kept their faith on the sideline and never learned how to put it into practice. And the single greatest tool that we're given is is the word of God that validates and confirms truth. And so, you know, you can you can almost check your your spirit up against the word of God and go, God, I know this is of you because it aligns with your word. And so throughout your storytelling, it's one of my favorite things you've always done is you've just you're not deliberately saying, here's a place I could drop some scripture and sound spiritual. <laughs> it's it's genuine from your heart. And how would you tell somebody to start um, from your perspective, writing scripture in their heart that, that helps them formulate truth, helps them really see the kindness and trust uh, that faith develops in God. Yeah. I, I mean, early, like, I'm just to be completely honest, I was bribed with $5 bills as a child to memorize like chunks and chunks and chunks. I'm not against that. <laughs> so, I think that's home run so, stuff. Listen, I, I loved, I shared a, a bathroom voice so when I went to church camp it was like a dream and and if you memorize the most scripture you got to be camp for the week and come back for another free week so that's what I did so I <laughs> I did 
So I don't know that my motives were pure early on, but it is it is a process. I had I remember as a little girl having one of those Bibles that would take topics and like scriptures about friends, scriptures about relationships, you know, relationships, scriptures about trust, scriptures about anxiety. So and I would put them on note cards and read them over and over. I've learned as I got older and I teach a class called interpersonal communication where um, we know that honestly our emotions are sort of this pinnacle or this outcome of the filters or the narrative through which we let experiences happen to us. So we things happen in our life and we filter them through truth. So it either says like this happened, I must be good or this happened, I must be bad and this happened. And so I, I created this filter early by saying when things happen, I let it go through this. So God works all things together for good. And so I would start by, by things, honestly, places where you struggle and saying, what does God say about, I would say first about me, scriptures that say, um, gosh, my favorite Ephesians one that I try to quote to my, my daughters every night before they went to bed, because I, I wanted to get picked for prom and picked for teams and picked for all the things. So being chosen was a big deal to me. So I remember memorizing Ephesians one, just reading it like it was life to my spirit that he chose me before, before the foundation, the foundation of, the of the earth. Yeah. And, and prepared good works in advance for me to do. There's a plan for my life. And, um, so I, I would go back to those kinds of things and, um, and find scripture that say, what do I really struggle with? Do I need to know that he has a plan? And can I pull scripture? We have these U version, all these apps now, things we didn't have. I mean, I just had like a concordance and an index. Um, but I, but we have all these apps and these great plans now that you can just Google any, anywhere, like scriptures about relationships, right. or whatever it is that you're struggling with and, and, and value it as this is true, right? The, the, Bible says it is um, power, powerful and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and I heard a teaching once about how in um, maybe Greek or Roman times when they would fight in war, they wouldn't bring these big, giant, heavy swords to the battle. They'd bring these short, quick knives that would allow them flexibility and to be able to fight quicker in the moment. And the Bible is often referred to sometimes as logos or like the whole scripture, which feels like one giant sword. It's often yeah. um, it's referred to as a sword, but the reality is um, it's a bunch when of little you knives. those scriptures in your heart, and if I'm praying for someone, or if I'm going through my day, it will feel like a tiny little weapon that he throws to me to say, here's how you fight a lie today. Like this little oh, truth. I love that, that so says, much. Oh. And so, um, but I, I just start with like putting it in your brain over and over. And, um, you know, Deuteronomy, a parent says like, put them on your walls, talk about them when you wake up and when you lie down. Yeah. And, um, I think it's Deuteronomy six, but we're, uh, you know, we buy them at Hobby Lobby and put them yeah. <laughs> and put them up in our house. But I think reading them over and over, it's just repetition. It's repetition. And um, you can do that my, in real time with your kids without any shame. Yep. Like there's no time like the present to start. It's it's the same as like I'm going to go for a run and my kid's going to go for a run with me or they're going to ride their bike next yeah. to me. And I just think, uh, you know, it's little things. Bennett and I, so Bennett just turning 12 here in another month. 
we read one chapter a night and I let her ask questions wow. about it. And it, it, we don't skip, which is dangerous. Like we've gotten through some stuff that I'm like, Oh, I would have, I should have read ahead or I should have remembered oh what, what that said there. She asked yes. me about Melchizedek the other night. And I was like, you need to, you need to call Nate or something like, I, I, it's like out over my skis. And um, well, I just, I, yeah. And don't you love that? Like, you know, when parents, you know, we t- have re- talked about my son was reading like Percy Jackson, like real life, you know, we're going through and, and there's a situation with the relationship and he's like, you know, we come back to what does scripture say about this? And there's not anything we're experiencing that, hasn't been around for a really long time right things that people have hard conversations about it's so messy and jesus just sat in the messy like he just wasn't afraid to go he didn't live in some weird religious bubble where everybody was nice and Mm -hmm. pretty and uh never made messed up and (laughs) he he was right his composure through all of it like that's the part that so impresses me and his voice didn't quiver and like I just think my neck didn't get hot and red while I was talking about it or I didn't worry about offending and uh, man the text allows you to navigate those things with your kids one of my favorite things Lauren used to do going through a really tough season um, was she would write a postcard like like just a note card you know a little two inch by three inch note card of of here's scripture that confronts the lie that I'm believing and it would go on her dash. And I'd always get mad at her because it would cover a gaslight. And I was like, Lauren, <laughs> I, I'm such a believer in you putting right in scripture in your heart, but don't run out of gas. Like this is, you can't <laughs> do this. There's gotta be a better way. And she's like, to this day, Nate took our minivan, Nate, the lead pastor here at the, at the village and took our minivan. And it was a list of people she was praying for with scripture. And he just, Aww. he just got out of the van. Like he's so kind and tender hearted. He was like, are those people she's praying for? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, Ugh. he just had to like take a walk for a minute, but it's those oh. little simple disciplines that anybody can do. And, and they've just championed your life. Um, and, and made you such a, uh, given you such a different perspective that I really cherish. If you wouldn't mind, Leslie, would you um, yeah. just pray over people? Maybe to maybe pray for people to see um, God's kindness in the little things and His provision that it's not always where we think it's going to be, but but a better plan. Um, yeah. And I would just love that if you would pray for folks. Yes, um, I'd be honored. Jesus, we uh, we love you so much, and we're so grateful that you that you chose us, that you came to earth, that you want to partner with us on on creating a beautiful story that glorifies your story. And so I just pray, whoever's listening, God, that you would remind them that they are known and seen and loved and that you desire a relationship with them. You want to partner with them. And God, that in you care about the day-to-day moments. I pray they would invite you into their homes, their spaces, that you would give them faith and courage to surrender to your process and to the person um, of you. And I pray that you would just begin to soften hearts to know that, God, not only do we recognize fully that we cannot really do this well without you, but that our hearts would just turn um, so towards you that we just wouldn't want to do it without you because you are the best and what you have for us is better than anything we could plan or ask or imagine. So I pray that you would just encourage 
um, all those that are listening, build their faith, um, bring hope where there's no hope, God, and light where there's been darkness. And I pray that they would just become not only part of um, your story, but part of the story of the village. And um, I hope that there are people listening that will one day get to share their stories on this podcast too. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you're looking for a good church home, if you're looking to, to find where God intersects with your story, um, I'd beg you to come try us at the Village Christian Church. Uh, you can find us in Manuka, Illinois, Seneca, Illinois. Uh, you can join us online, thevillagechristianchurch.com. Um, we're, we're live streaming on Sundays at 9 and 1030. Um, and we'd love for you to find a church home here at the Village. Uh, it, Leslie, Thanks so much. Another great story. I can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me. Next time you're in Illinois, we're going to get you right in here in the studio, yes. throw some headphones on you, and and, uh, and just have a great time. Sound good? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to talk Lauren into meeting me in Champaign. <laughs> Absolutely. She's completely in. She's always looking for an adventure. You two sevens are always looking uh, to sneak yes. out and have fun. Yes. Yeah. So. We'll tell some Enneagram stories on a <laughs> another day. Yes. Another day. Thanks, Leslie. Oh, you guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for another great story. Make sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss our latest stories. And if you are in the market for a great church home, check us out at thevillagechristianchurch.com. We've got more great stories ahead, and we can't wait for you to hear them all. So until next time, keep living another great story.